Amen, amen, amen. How you guys doing today? Good, you all right? That's good, that's good, that's good. I'm happy uh, to be here, to, to be able to share with um, our Redemption Tempe family. Man, I love you guys. I love Ricardo. I love the, the team here. Uh, for those that don't know me, let me give a little bit of backdrop of, of who I am, my history, and, um, and then jump in. My name is, as I said already, Wayne. I'm one of the elders at Redemption in Alhambra. Uh, I didn't grow up in Arizona. I'm from New York. My background is in um, Islam. This is what I um, grew up in. That's my background in in Nation of Islam specifically. And then um, I've been going to the church for 20-something years, um, a lot of years but I don't really remember how much, but I think 20-something, right? You know, <laughs> so, so that's a little bit, bit of a, just a little background of where I'm coming from. Um, I've been loving this series that we've been going through, through Psalms, right? It's been good, right? All right, it's, it's been really, really good. It's been rejuvenating, refreshing to be taking this time to trek through the book of Psalms. I've been, I've been loving it. The way I used to look at Psalms back in the days when I read Psalms, the way I used to look at it, like it was just a bunch of, of reflections and um, personal worship of God from David and some of the other, other writers. When I looked at it, that's all I really seen in it. This was just David and some of the other writers and what, what they was going through and how they was responding to it. And, and I always pictured them off in some secluded place writing all the time. They were always off inside some secluded place, secluded place, writing the songs. And this is what I was picturing inside of my mind. It was always like this, this beautiful, peaceful place with trees and grass and deer is panting for water. And while the deer is panting for water, there's this big tree planted by the rivers of water. And David is underneath it like the Psalms. Or he's laying inside these pastures of green grass that just went on for miles, and he's laying in the grass, and he sits up like the Lord. <laughs> so I always viewed what was happening in, in the Psalms the way you say, as something that was secluded and, and separated from society and family and culture and vocation. It always seemed to be apart from that. It always seemed to be something. That's how I viewed it. That's how I was looking at it. When I would read Psalms back in the days, it was always something that seemed to be separated from everything else, right? It was, it was always these, I was always viewing these experiences that seemed to be disconnected from the tension of the lives that we lived in. Like, like, like we needed to be off on a sabbatical to experience it, right? Like, that's the only time where I get these moments and I say, what they're going to do? But, but you don't picture the Psalms being, being written with the work bell ringing in the background when your boss is like, are you going to come back to work or what? But you don't picture that. You don't picture the Psalms being written during the midst of, 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 of dysfunctional family tension with there's issues between spouses, between a husband and a wife, or, or there's issues between the, the parents and the children or children and their siblings. You don't picture that being the backdrop that these things are being written in. You don't picture Psalms being, being or that's not how I pictured it, being written while there was an ongoing fight against injustice right outside your window. The Lord is. You don't picture that. Or, or, or you don't picture it being, being written at a time when, when, when your nation was, was living and it was like, Complete division throughout the nation, and then, and then you're going through a current presidential candidacy when it's like alien versus predator. No matter who wins, we lose. And <laughs> that's not what, you, what you're picturing going on here. <sighs> no, you picture these songs being 
being written while somebody's hiking on the mountains of Sedona, looking at landscape or laying down in the grass at Flagstaff. No, I didn't mention Phoenix, but Sedona and Flagstaff. And those places make you think about Jesus. But I didn't picture these psalms being written during the tensions of everyday life. So, so I didn't feel like they was relevant to the tensions of, of my everyday life. I felt like in order for me to relate to it, I had to be off in one of those secluded places, off on a vacation, off on a sabbatical, in order for me to really, really relate to it. See, my background, like I grew up in New York, right? So in New York, there wasn't too many deers running up around the place panting for water. That's not, that wasn't happening there. Probably a pit bull and <laughs> you're not watching to see if he's passing for water or anything like that. You know, so, so, so that wasn't my circumstances. I wasn't taking vacations left and right, you know. That, was, that wasn't where it was at. So for me, it was sort of a, a disconnect. I didn't feel like they was, they was relevant to the tensions of my life and then I continued to, to read. I continued to, to study. I continued to grow in God. And then as I continued to read and study and grow, as time went on, I started to, to connect with select psalms that seemed to point out specific issues that was, that was relevant to me. Like, like when, when David would talk about, deliver me from my enemies. Then I would think about the people that I had issues with. I'm like, yeah, they're my enemies and stuff. And, 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 and Lord, deliver me. And, and so all right, I was able to connect there when I started thinking about that. All right, here's something I can grab hold to. I can connect with that right there. Or, or, or last week, did you guys go to Psalm 73 last week? Yeah? Oh, no, probably. No, okay. All right, all right. All right. We did at Alhambra and stuff. But I, that song used to speak so much to me, 73, because, because I would, for me, I was like, man, I'm, I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to, to have this relationship with him. And, and, and it seemed like people that didn't even care about God and didn't even want to serve God was, 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 was being blessed. And I was like, Lord, what is going on here? And I'm not seeing how, how I was so rich in what I had, Right? So, so Psalms like Psalm 73 was standing out to me and, and those select ones here and there where there was like certain issues that I could connect with was standing out to me. But what about the ones that didn't highlight specific issues? What about the ones that just all they did all the way through was just talk about praising and worshiping God? Like the one we're covering today. What about those psalms? How did I relate to those in the tensions of where my life was at and the thing that was happening with me? How did that speak to right here, right now? So I know the scripture was read already, right? But I'm going to read it again. But this is the backdrop that I want to read it in. I want you to picture inside of your mind, picture inside of your heart, the brokenness of this world. Picture inside of your mind and your heart some of the brokenness inside of your own family, inside of your own marriage. Some of the things that hurt, some of the things that rip and tug at your heart. I want you to picture there. I want you to go there with me and travel with me to, to where the pain is at, where the hurt is at. There's no green grass here, Right? This pain and this hurt, and you're looking at the brokenness of people and society and culture. I want you to think about those areas. I want you to go there with me. I want you to visualize these things in your heart and mind because if, if these psalms do not speak to the brokenness that we live in, then they're inefficient. And I don't believe they're inefficient. I don't believe, I think they're, they're very efficient. I believe it's God's divine plan that in the midst of the brokenness that we would be speaking and talking about Psalms in the midst of the tensions that our country is in, that us as a church, he would be leading us through the book of Psalms. I don't believe that's a coincidence. I think that's God's divine plan. Like, look, while this is going on, I want to lead you into Psalms right here. I don't believe that. They're disconnected from the rest of everything that's going on. So I want you to go there with me. 
I want you to visualize inside your, your heart and your mind brokenness, the brokenness of society, brokenness culture, your own personal brokenness, your family, your marriages, areas that hurt. I want you to go there. I want you to visit there with me emotionally. And then I want to read Psalms 100. Because it has to speak to that, right? It has to hit right there, not just when I'm in a church service, when I'm meditating on it, off on a side, away from that. But it has to speak right there when that is going on. These need to mean something during those times. So I want you to go there with me. I'm going to read it. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord, the Lord, he is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Those words need to speak to the intricate issues of our lives, to society and culture. They can't be aloof from that. And I don't believe that's what God means for them. I believe it's his intention that we will cover them during times just like now. So what I want to do is this. I want to I cover, I want to start looking at the structure of Psalms 100. I want to look at the structure of it, how it's, it's put together, all right? Because I think there's some things that stand out here that are, 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 that are important. So verses 1 and 2. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Right there, that part right there, it's, it's about praise and worship with action. Praise and worship with action. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. So praise and worship with action. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made you. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Theology, knowledge and understanding of God. So the first one was praise and worship, praise and worship of God. Now the next one's knowledge and understanding of God. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Again, praise and worship demonstrated in action, the entering in and swinging back and forth here. Praise and worship demonstrated in action. Then verse 5, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations, theology, knowledge, and understanding about God. The Psalms just swing back and forth. Praise and worship, theology, praise and worship, solid doctrine, praise and worship. I read this, and what I see when I read this is exuberant praise and worship that's grounded in sound theology and manifesting itself through actions. That's what I see when I read this. Now, here's the deal. When I start thinking about it, I start thinking about, about what I'm looking at here, the things I see coming together, and I start thinking about my first 15 years of my Christian walk. And I start thinking about all of that time leading up to now because there's some things that stand out to me as I look at this. Now, the first 15 years of my Christian walk, I went to a very charismatic church. Very charismatic. 
I mean, praise and worship is what we did. Like, like it's what we did. We, was, we were praise. We praise. I mean, if the pastor didn't make it up there to preach because we was praising all the way through, then it was fine because we were just worshiping God. And we were just praising him and worshiping him and praising him and worshiping him. That was our strong point. The praising and worship is, is a strong point in, 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 in the charismatic church. That's where it came from, right? Where, where verses like, like 1 and 4 was like hallmark verses to us. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Yes, we can do that. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I remember walking down the hallways of the church, and the moment I would enter into the sanctuary, it was like, yes, I could praise him now. <laughs> enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. Those moments of verses were, were memorized, isolated and memorized because they reflected the style of church so much. It was engraved inside of our hearts. And, and we knew those verses, but rarely in context to the surrounding verses, though. Rarely in context to those surrounding theological verses about God that grounded my worship. So, so, so theology wasn't so much of a strong suit. Not that the order of theology was bad and everything else and stuff, but it wasn't really a strong suit. The praise and worship was. We was fine with praising and worshiping and theology being off a little bit. And then where theology lacked, passion and emotion was in abundance. It took the place of the lack of theology. Passion and emotion was in abundance, and it, and it fueled the praise and the worship. Thus, what started to happen, we, we viewed everything through those lenses. Everything was viewed. Everything was seen through those lenses. Worshiping God, poor theology. Everything was seen through those lenses. Now, see, see me, I was, I was charismatic in my worship, but I was reformed in my thinking, so theology was a big deal to me. And I wrestled with it. I was all good with worshiping God. I was all good with, with lifting up his name. I was all good with his exuberant praise because I believe he's, he's worthy of it. I believe he deserves it. And I was all good with just the brokenness that, that came along with it. It was okay to cry in his presence. It was okay to, to, to worship him. It was, it was okay. It didn't have to be pretty all the time. I was good with that. But I needed some sound theology to keep that. I needed some sound theology to drive that, to push that. Because if not, then it became emotionalism and sensationalism. So eventually it led me to the position where I'm at now. A pastor at a reformed church experiencing more of the reformed and conservative side of things. Now the verses in this text that, that teach me theology about God, they mean so much more to me. It was so, so rich to me. I'm looking at these verses and they're teaching me theology about God. And I'm reading through this, this text and as I get to those verses that, that just teach me theology about God, it reminds me, it makes me think about my experiences in these reformed and more conservative circles. Where, where we dive deep into theology. That's what we do. We dive deep into theology. That's our strong point. We understand so much theology. We can, we can have long discussions for days about theology. We know books on top of books on top of books on top of books to, to stack theology up. We can do those things. That's what we do. We, we, we do theology. Break it down. Theology, surely a strong point. 
But I look and I gaze and it seems like with theology was the opportunity for growth in the charismatic circus, circles. Praise and worship was the opportunity for growth in the more reformed and conservative circles. Thus, in, in many cases, the danger was praise and worship was in danger of being truncated to just a moment in the service. Not, not, not the entire service where praise and worship was manifesting itself in different ways. But truncated to when the band was on the stage and then the band left the stage. Then it transitioned to something else. But I'm telling you, just take in the time to listen to the word of God being preached. To take it in. That's worship in and of itself. You start to look and you start to, to gaze and you start to see the danger where theology in and of itself becomes an idol. Theology becomes an idol and emotion and passion start to grow cold. So many of us was, was, was viewing everything through those lenses and I'm looking at how when I was in the charismatic circles, I'm seeing how they're viewing things through these lenses, praise and worship, exuberant praise and worship. And then in the reformed and, and circles, people are looking at things in another lenses, theology, deep theology, deep theology. And I start thinking about the lenses that, that we're looking at things through. Now, let me make a confession here. I'm going to go off topic, but I'm gonna, I promise I'm going to go back on topic. Because earlier on we was worshiping and then it was talking about confessions, right? So here's my confessions. I love movies. A lot. A real lot, right? You know, like people, they, they, they'll buy me movie gift cards for, for gifts, right? So it may be an idol, and you can't pray for me on that, all right? Maybe not, but it may be, all right? But here's what I love. I love IMAX movie theaters. Oh, they, who's, there you go. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. See, I don't feel so bad no more. That's good. You know what I'm saying? I love IMAX movie theaters. I love it. And I remember, okay, I remember the first 3D movie I ever seen in IMAX movie theaters. It was, it was, it was Avatar. Remember that? Remember when Avatar came out and I watched and I seen it, I was like, never watching another 3D movie in anywhere outside of IMAX again. I loved it. I love it. I paid an extra $27 for one person just for that. <laughs> but the thing about going to watching movies in 3D, right? The thing about watching movies in 3D is that you put one pair of glasses on over both eyes, right? You put one pair of glasses on over both eyes, but each eye is, is viewing through a lens with a different color. But they're over both eyes. One side is blue, the other side is red, and no, you don't see everything purple now, right? But this, each side is a different lens, but they're both one pair of glasses on one pair of eyes. If you close the left eye, you only view things, if you close the left eye and only view things through the right eye, you won't see the intended effect of the 3D. Or vice versa, if you close the right eye and only look through the left eye, you won't see the intended effect of the 3D. The only way I can fully view the intended effect is if I view through both lenses at the exact same time. That's the only way. Not, not, it's not either or, but both ends. Not more, but less. I'm looking at this and I'm like, why is this not? Will you have 
really sound theology leading to deep worship. This is what I see when I look at Psalms 100. This is what I see when I gaze at. At Psalms 100, this is what comes to my heart. This is what comes to my mind. Passionate praise and worship, grounded and led by sound doctrine, bearing fruits of action in the forms of serving and entering in. That's what I see in Psalms 100, and I want to take the time to look over that in brief. I'm going to take the time to look at how I'm viewing this, what I'm seeing there in brief. And then I want to spend a few minutes just just praying through the psalm. And and this is with the hope that we see its relevancy in the places and times that we live in. That the God of creation, that, that purpose that you would live right here, right now, with the tensions and the times that you will be experiencing right here, right now, also planned that you will be going through the book of Psalms right here, right now, equipping you for how you dealt with the tensions and times that you will be living in. That all of it was inside of his plan. Not either or, but both and So let's look at verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Joy is the light in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. This is joy. The light in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. So a joyful noise is an outward expression that's filled with delight in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. This is that joyful noise. And it doesn't have to always be an audible thing. It's just an, an outward expression that's filled with Delight in God for the sheer beauty and worth of who he is. It's filled with hope inside this God. And it doesn't depend upon outside circumstances. So this joyful noise being made to the Lord has nothing to do with things that are happening outside. But every single thing to do with the God that's being worshipped. That's the thing that's ruling it. That's the thing that's guiding it. This joyful noise has every single thing to do with who is being worshipped. The thing that's not impacted by time and circumstances. Then he says, all the earth, and it's interesting because David is writing this and Israel is the only people that have a relationship with him right now. But he's talking about make a joyful noise, all the earth. So in that you see God's missional intent inside of his heart that, that who, he would, who he is would be made known to all the earth. So even in writing these psalms right now, before the call will go out for it to go out, he's saying, Make a joyful noise. All the earth. And, 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 the, and, the, and the reason why David can write this thing as God inspires him because it's God's heart and desire that, that people at that time and moment that didn't know God, that at one point in time it will come where all the earth will have had an opportunity to hear about this true and living God and will be in a position to worship him. So you see the missional mindset right there. The plan going forward. It exposes his heart. Verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. I want to look at that first part first. Serve the Lord with gladness. And then I'm going to come into the other part a little bit later. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, just... Initially, you just think about the idea of serving the Lord with gladness, serving God, serving this good God, this perfect God, this God that's that's loved me so much and done so much for me. Why wouldn't I serve him? And in and of itself, it seems easy. In and of itself, it seems pretty good. Like, I'm serving you, Lord, me and you. We go way back since. And it's. 
But the idea of serving him, why not? It doesn't seem that bad. It doesn't seem that difficult, that hard. Can you picture this serving, this all-loving God that's done so much for you already? But picturing what this actually looks like is a little bit different. Matthew 25, verses 42, 45, it reads like this. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me in. Naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick and in prison and didn't minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Serving God is demonstrated through serving others. Serving people created in his image and likeness. This is how God has designed it. When he made up his mind that he would create people in his image and likeness and place them on the earth so that when I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and we're looking at each other, we're seeing the image and likeness of the living God, then serving him would be by serving us. This is where serving God with gladness becomes a challenge, though. Why? Because people are messy. They're not perfect like that guy. And they didn't do something for you. This is where it becomes more challenging. Why? Because it calls for humility. Why? Because it attacks your personal pride. Why? Because it challenges our idols, namely the idol of me. So often we serve out of, out of Christian duty, but not true gladness in serving God himself through that person. I can do this and I can serve with a smile on my heart or on my face, pretending it's on my heart. Then that verse is followed with coming to his presence with singing. But like I said, I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. So let's look at verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, I have this thing that, that I do, because I like walking around, as you can see. It's just like I walk and I move my legs and it just turns something inside here and it makes me think, right? So I like walking around. And then sometimes when I, when I got a lot of things going on inside of my mind and a lot, of, a lot of issues, I like to, when I'm at my home, I'll go and I'll walk around the block and I'll go all the way around the block. And as I'm around, walking around the block, I'll just pray to God and, and bring my issues to him. Just talking to him about the things that's going on. And I remember this one time, I left out of my home, and because I don't remember the thing that was going on, but I remember it was like a lot that was going on inside of my life. There was a lot of weight. There was a lot of issues that was going on, and I just needed God so bad. So I, I went on my walk, and I started walking around the block. So as I started walking around the block, my entire walk, the way it looked like was, 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 Lord, I need you inside the situation, Lord. I'm asking that you will give me wisdom, Lord. Lord, I'm praying for your grace, Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for your strength, Lord. Lord, I'm praying for you to stretch out your mighty arm and do this thing, Lord. Father, I'm praying for you to do this. And, and the whole conversation all the way around the block was I'm just talking to God about the issue that was going on and how much I needed him to move, how much I needed him to do this, and how much I needed him to do that. I'm 100% positive that people was looking outside the windows and they were saying, He has no headphones on, and he's just talking. 
children, don't look. You know, I'm pretty sure. Because I'm walking around the block, and I'm making this, this, whole, this big circle all the way around the block, and I'm just talking to him. And I'm just telling him about the thing that was, that was bothering me. And normally when I do this, I would walk all the way around the block, and then when I made my circle and came back to the house, I would turn and just go inside the house. And that would just, you know, it would be my time with God just getting away from things and, and walking. It wasn't green pastures. It was concrete streets, but it was still my time that, that I had with them. And I did that this time, and the whole time, that's what it looked like. Me just asking him and telling him, Lord, this, Lord, that. Lord, Lord, I know you hear me, Lord. And then when I got to the house and I would, when I would typically turn in, that's when he spoke to me. He says, go around the block again. Now, it wasn't like the clouds parted and then a sunlight came through and stuff, and they would go around the block. It wasn't like that, right? No doves, nothing, right? But it was right here. I heard him speak right here, go around the block again. No other instructions at that time or moment, just go around the block again. So I start my second trip around the block. I'm walking around the block. Now he starts feeding me what to say, though. So as he starts feeding me what to say, he's feeding me stuff like, you're omnipresent. You're incredible. You're perfect. You're perfect in all of your ways. Everything is under your hands. The earth is yours, Lord. He just starts feeding me these things, feeding me these things, things about his character, things about who he was. The whole time around, it's like I wouldn't, when I'm saying the next thing, I don't know what was going to come next. But when whatever came next, each time it was something just about his character over and over and over again. Now, I'm pretty sure my second time around the block, although that was in doubt of whether I was nuts, was like, definitely. <laughs> definitely round two. He's, all right. Pretty sure they just visit his house. But the whole time around the block, he's just feeding me things about his character, big things, huge things about him. And then as I made my way around the block and I got back to where my house was, that's when he said something different. In your minds. That's it. And it just rocked me. It just rocked me because he just gave me context. All these things I was just bringing to you about, all these things I was lifting up to you. Then he's like, let me tell you who I am, right? So that you understand the context here and stuff. I'm this big of a God in your minds. Make sure you understand that. So I love the fact that this text goes this direction. He says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made you. That was his plan. Your existence was his plan. It is he that made you. You didn't make yourself here. You didn't plan your existence on this earth at this time and moment. He did. In his omniscience, he planned your existence right here, right now. Him. It is he that, he made, that made you. And we are his. You're not even your own. You're his. You're his property. He owns you. This huge God first, know that the Lord is God. He's the one that made you. You're his. We're his people. The sheep of his pasture. He takes the time to point this deep theology out because it's important for us to understand that we are his and we're looking at ourselves through the context of whose we are. Not through the lenses and context of the issues that's going through. It gives this comfort to know and understand that I belong to somebody who's, who's not only in control of every single thing, but he loves me deeply. Now let's look at that second part of verse 2 and all of verse 4. Come into his presence with singing. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. You read this in. He says, enter his presence with singing. And you, and you picture inside of your mind like a king on the throne. Is, you're in this kingdom, right? A king on a throne inside this kingdom. And, and, and you're about to enter into his throne room. So you enter into the presence of the king on the throne. But this would say that, that well, his presence wasn't outside of the throne room. It wasn't there. But now you're entering into his presence. And then you get inside his presence and it's like, man, man. Coming to his presence with singing, worshiping, is a way to, to, to extol the king. Enter in. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. As you enter into the presence of this king, enter his courts with praise. For all that gives this mindset of this type of an earthly king, whose presence is limited. The moment that we gave our lives to God, the moment that we submitted to him, we entered into a kingdom, his kingdom. The kingdom of a God who's omnipresent, who's all over the place. Now this gives different type of lenses and context to the idea of coming into his presence because his presence is all over the place. So I'm always inside of his presence. The entering in is something different because I'm not going from no presence to presence because I'm always in his presence of my king. So like I'm saying, we're keeping in mind the context of the brokenness inside of this world and, 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 and the brokenness inside of our marriages and the brokenness inside of our families and the brokenness is with our children, the things that pain us, the things that hurt us. And then you think inside your mindset that there's this omnipresent God right there. And as you go in to worship God while engaging inside these issues, you're reminded of his presence right there. As you go in to engage the issues and culture and society, it's like, like there's a verse inside the Bible that says, when two or three are gathered together, he's in the midst. Y'all heard that, right? I always used to read that verse and misunderstand it. Because I'm like, man, two or three? Well, what if there's just one? There's no God. Let me get another guy over here so he can be in the midst. But that wasn't the context of, of the verse, though. The context of the verse was talking to a couple of believers, and, and the believers, they had some issues that was, they was going through with one another. And he's saying, listen, while you two are, are, are dealing with this thing, here's a reminder. God is also there in the midst. When two or three was gathered together, those two or three weren't alone. He's also there. That was the reminder that God is there in the midst of the brokenness. God is there in the midst of the pain. God is there in the midst of the hurt. So that when we serve people, when we engage people, when we enter into the brokenness, when I enter in by ourselves, we're entering in with the presence of the living God who is right there. And we want to lift his name up and point towards him. This is the thing that we see here. This is how we, we realize that. Then in verse 5, he said, for the Lord is good. He's good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Amen. The four is a because. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? Because he is good. For he is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. He's so not like us, right? That's a good thing, right? Because his steadfast love endures forever, and it has nothing to do with you. It didn't say, so long as you do this. This is just his character. Steadfast love that endures forever. 
faithfulness. Like, he wasn't just faithful to them guys back there 2,000 years ago when the Bible was written and even further than that. He wasn't just faithful to them, but his faithfulness endures or is to all generations. Like the same God that was faithful back then, the same God is faithful right now. Exact same God, exact same faithfulness, exact same character. This is what we enter in with. This is the, the, the theology that we know and understand that leads to praise and worship. That bears fruit of actions and doing things. I want to close this out in prayer, right? What I want to do, I'm going to, I just want to pray through this psalm. But I want to share first, like, my week. Because it was difficult writing this psalm and knowing the, the context of what I needed to write. But I had, like, the week of weeks. Like, first of all, my iPad broke and shattered, right? I get it, I get it, I get it. First world problems, I get it, right? So I'm like, <laughs> right? My iPad breaks, it shatters, you know? So it's good, okay, I'm going to get my iPad fixed and stuff. And then the day after that, I'm driving down the road, and I have this blowout. And it was crazy. It, was like, it felt like the tire didn't just come off. Like it <laughs> right? I, could, I mean, it felt like the car did like this. <laughs> it didn't really do like that, but it felt like that, right? <laughs> so I'm like, what is going on here, Lord? And I get out the car, and then the tire is like it's broken. A piece of rubber is wrapped around the thing right here and flying down the street. And the, my bumper is like a little bit. Like, off, like, the tire hit and, 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 and took it off a little bit, right? So I'm like, shoot. You know, I called someone to help me. And the person that came to help me was like, I ain't never changed a tire in my life. And I'm like. <laughs> so I changed it by myself while he took pictures. <laughs> And the, the bumper was a little bit off, and I'm like, well, looks good. Yeah. You know, so in my head, like, it's all good, you know. Go back on. The next day, I dropped my phone. And my phone shattered. I'm like, what in the? It falls. It's like, it like, it was falling like it was going to fall on the rubber part of the case, and then it like this. And they fell directly on the glass and shattered in like several different places. And I'm like, oh. No iPad, no phone. So I'm like, okay. I'm going to go to the fix-it place. And I'm not trying to do a commercial for them, but they do good work. So I'm going to go to the fix-it place to get it fixed. And I'm going to fix my iPad. I'm going to fix my phone. So I paid to get the iPad fixed. That was cool. A little bit pricey, but it was cool. So then I'm like, okay, I laughed and I forgot to get my phone fixed. I go back and I'm like, all right, hey, cool. Can you fix this phone? I figure it's going to be like 100 something dollars. And they're like, yeah, $399. And I'm like, because I didn't have $399 to, to, to fix it. My phone is still broken, right? So I'm like, all right, man. Keep my broken phone. Inside of my head, I remember... The day before, my wife was telling me, I was on the phone with the phone people. They were trying to get us to get insurance on the phone. And I remember telling her, you know, insurance? <laughs> that thing break, we'll fix it. So now I'm like, yo, babe, pull the insurance company. <laughs> so then Friday, I'm driving on the 303. And, and okay, another confession, I was probably breaking the law. Because I was doing like 80, right? Because I, I had an appointment to get to, and I was like, then I heard, and I'm like, what the? And I look out to my rear, if you remember, and it's like my, my bumper was doing like this. And like it was waving at me, I'm like, 
Lord, I fixed you. And so I go outside, I look at the bumper, and I'm like, remember? And I pushed it back in. Then I jumped in the car and I was out. Because now I'm even later. Then I heard. Then I look and the whole bumper head came off. And I'm like, I had the week from somewhere night, not nice. And I took the bumper and I threw it inside the back seat of the car. And I'm like, man, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. So that's, that's the week that I had that this was being prepped in. And God was like, well, you're not just going to go up here and preach from, <laughs> you're going to preach from <laughs> this, right? So I want to close this out in prayer, right? And I'm just going to pray through the book of Psalms, through, not the entire book, all right? Just through <laughs> Psalms 100. Don't worry, that will take forever, right? So I'm going to start praying right now. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you for how good you are, how good you continue to be to us. You are incredible in all of your ways, Lord. Father God, I ask that you will put a song inside of our hearts, Lord. A joyful noise that, that sees your beauty and wants to exalt your beauty throughout all of the world so that nations and nations would see you and honor you as God, Lord. Father God, I ask that you will... Confront our hearts, Lord, that we would serve you and serve you with gladness. Gladness to the fact that while we're serving others and we're serving people, we're serving a living God who loves us deeply and we're serving them inside their brokenness. Father, I ask that you'll work in our hearts, Lord. Help us to know inside of our hearts and our, and our minds whose we are, that we are yours. We belong to you. You are our God, Lord. We are the sheep of your pasture, Lord. Let us turn our hearts and run to you like sheep running to their shepherd, Lord, trusting in you, Lord. And as we enter into the brokenness of lives of others, Lord, Keep us reminded we're not entering in in our own strength, but we're entering in in your strength. We're entering in in your presence. And as we go in, we enter into your presence, Lord. Not alone, Lord. Help us to exalt your name and to lift you up, Lord. Remind us constantly and constantly of how good of a God you are, Lord. And that your steadfast love endures forever, regardless of me. I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. For your faithfulness that stretches out to all generations. In Jesus' name, amen.